the 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. Another hour on the way, Cofield Company. Uh, write this on the tease board. I, I, we have to get back to Raiders, Chargers, Tiegate, because Adam loves it so much. I, I think you're... you're Way off base in, in the scenario you're even describing. There's only one scenario that's worth talking about. That's coming up at uh, 445. We'll get into that. So uh, mega tease ahead on Cofield and company. So I just mentioned, well, Stanford Route mentioned classic rivalries and heat, right? Knicks in the past. Yeah, I think he said Knicks Bulls. You could say Knicks Heat. I guess you could say now Knicks Celtics after uh, last night's uh, Bizarro game and come back and, you know, New York's all fired up. Um, so the Knicks are actually achieving. It is funny, man. It is funny what's going on in New York and the fact that New York media people, but especially the fans, can't see what's happening. And that for the most part, it is a super unattractive city for free agents to go to. We've talked about this for like six, eight years, Adam, right? Yeah. yeah. And the Knicks have put together a decent squad. They, you know, they, you know, they, they have a chance here to be, again, you know, a, a team that'll win whatever 48 50 games so that they're they're having some success you do realize and the nfl isn't built that much on free agency but you got to be able to attract some free agents you do realize the jets and giants this weekend will close out the season if either one of them can get a win right and say the other one loses whatever if they both lose right now over the last five years they're the worst franchises in the NFL. That's a fact. By the record. They are both 22 and 58 of late. The two worst franchises in the National Football League. Poorly run. Management's in question. Uh, ownership dedication is in question. And then there's also the fan interest, which is great. But it also can drive people to the point of lunacy. Joe Judge has gone crazy. I mean, he, I, he, I don't even think he knows what he's saying anymore. <laughs> he's going on eleven-minute rants about accountability every week, and you know the plan, and everything's working out. Um, and I know you pointed out that last night with the Knicks, like when a team finally does win, it's still not good enough for a lot of the New York fans because now Julius Randle's like, you know what? Will you all shut the blank up? Yeah. What did he do? <laughs> He was kind of going off in the second half, and then he gave the crowd the thumbs down. And after the game, he was asked, he was asked, it. He was asked what did you mean by that? And he said, I meant shut the blank up. Yep. Ask <laughs> Javi Baez. Ask Javi Baez. So hopefully the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, will chime in now on the Knicks players because that still is absolute bunk. And remember, during now, now Cohen actually was able to throw a bunch of money at some mid-level players, right, and get, get a bunch of players. Uh, but remember, he also got turned down by about six different GMs who were like, no, we don't want to work for you. You're a clown. Um, it is just, That place is really interesting, really interesting right now. And uh, and again, I'll, it's what I've reiterated. I'll reiterate it. It's what I've said over the last six or eight years. I, The entire market needs to wake up. Like, you are not who you think you are in terms of being a great destination for free agent athletes to go to. And one of the stories we will follow, and I've beaten the drum the last couple of weeks, is Please stop with, unless the guy just doesn't care about winning or someone else in the family is making the decision, you got to stop with Russell Wilson to the Giants 
is an attractive option. I just think it's one of the dumbest narratives that's being thrown out there. Yeah, unless, I mean, as you're pointing out, unless she wants to go there. I mean, that's possible. Well, then enjoy closing out your career, you know, winning six games a year and being tortured by the media and the fans. That's probably that's what you're signing up for if, if you want to go there. I mean, I, it, it hasn't been that long since the Giants were respectable. But they're the worst franchise in football with a 22 and 58 record along with the Jets. It's been a while. It has, but I mean, I would I would rather be the Giants than the Jaguars. I don't know, it's close though. Well, for Russell Wilson, what's the difference? It, it's, it doesn't. I mean, he's not going to the Jaguars, right? Exactly. I'm what just, we're talking yeah. about is they. It, is there a worse situation that may covet his services? <laughs> we talked. We talked about it the other day, right? I'll bring it up again. You know where he needs to go, and actually, all three guys, Deshaun Watson, if he, you know, if he can get past the, this the wackiness of these legal problems, Rogers, Wilson, and Watson, one of their first choices should be getting on the phone with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, for sure. For sure. Which, like, I think a lot of people would look at it and they're like, what? Yeah. Yes. It's a yes. Tre- tremendous roster, very well-run yep. organization. That and, and people blame Baker Mayfield. Don't blame Baker Mayfield. Blame Baker Mayfield's shoulder. Like, that's where the season went completely sideways uh, w- with him being hurt. And they still almost made it uh, to the postseason. Um, they have everything in place. They have a great organization. The one thing... That I think would hold that back, and depending on you know what he's looking for, like they are such a good organization, they are not going to pay for a quarterback. I mean, they're going to pay. They're not going to sign like a mega deal for a quarterback. They're not that stupid. That's a good touche, right? Still has not been proven if someone can win with a 35, 40, 45 million dollar quarterback, and I'm talking about win at the highest level. Man, I, I, we're going to get back to the Raiders and the Chargers and what's in front of both teams right now, but especially the Raiders with this playoff berth on the line. But, Adam, these next couple of weeks are going to be completely fascinating because we just talked about how effed up the Giants are. The Raiders somehow have survived how screwed up they are, right? <laughs> um, I think Mark Davis is actually a better owner than John Mara. I think John Mara's lost his mind with the Giants. Um but there's a balance here with what the Raiders are going through. You want to worry about the now, but it's going to be very competitive in terms of lining up your future. And we saw the stuff with Jim Harbaugh come out that, you know, at least he'd be open to discussions and immediately people are like, Raiders, and you were bringing this up, you know, two weeks ago. And I think there was a reason. I think you, you, you know, you've heard stuff and you know stuff. Um, and then also keep in mind, it's not only who the coach is going to be, who is going to be the GM. Also, who's running the business side of things? Yeah, these are these are mad. We we don't. I mean, don't even talk about the quarterback. Like the, the four outside of the owner, the four most important jobs in the organization could change. They have to make a decision on all four. Yeah, I, I think it's very, it's very important. And 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 I like my question. And and Mark Davis hasn't talked about this. He said the focus is on the season, and they're going to wait till the season's over and. We get that, and so maybe we won't even hear anything for another week. Um, like, how much are all these positions intertwined, and how who is like who's first, right? Like, do do you? Because last time it was we get the coach we wanted. All right, let's let's let him pick the GM that he wants. 
you know, let's let's fill these other roles around it. Um, now, it, it, who knows if that's going to be the same? Maybe you say, well, it kind of worked out, but it didn't really work out last time. So maybe we do something different. Maybe you hire a GM. Maybe maybe Max the GM. Um, I, I don't I don't know. Adam, what, can what you imagine? Thinking. Can you imagine Mark Bedane not being involved in a lot of these decisions in the past? So wait, the guy who's going to run that side of the building is it going to be in place before they have a GM and a coach? Yeah. I, all, right? all the, yes, all those things are like it's so wacky. It's all up in the air, and it's all and I like. I wonder because you know, as, as you mentioned, like I've been thinking Harbaugh was going to be the number one candidate for a while now. So I wonder is it is it part of him of hey, if it's Harbaugh, like we're not going to put anything else in place because we want him to make all these decisions, and we don't want to put anybody in there that he doesn't want. Or is it, if it's another coach. Are they going at that same level, or is it something different? It's like, oh, well, if it's not Harbaugh, then we do hire whoever we want as a GM or Bayok and have the GM in place and then let him decide a coach. Like, I, I don't know. And, and they're not really talking about it. So I think all of those things are very fascinating. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Two-on-one for the Knights. Marcheseau, he scores! Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Emotional night for some against the Rangers. Unfortunately for Rangers fans, it was the emotion of the Rangers that I think did them in. Uh, Marshy, seven goals, last ten games. Now the Blackhawks come in, so another homecoming with a flurry on the docket. Adam Hill, Cofield, Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. I want to get the Blackhawks side of things, but uh, I got to start out with this. You know, when we're reaching out to Joe Brand, who uh, is uh, pre and post on radio for the Blackhawks, he was, he was mentioning he might be out to dinner. Joe, are you out to dinner right now? <laughs> I'm not out to dinner. Like I said, uh, those plans weren't finalized yet. So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Maybe order a pizza or something. Yeah, well, well, first of all, tell people here who think it's cold in Vegas because it's like 54. <laughs> Chicago is a living hell right now. I'm looking outside my apartment, and uh, there's there's a park about a block and a half away, and the lights are on, and the ground is just white. And, and it's not because it's snow. It's just frozen grass, and it's just sheer white. I think it's three degrees right now. Might might yeah. drop down even a little bit more. Yeah, I always love the it feels like. If it's 3 or 11, <laughs> it just it doesn't. It, it, you don't need to tell me it feels like not minus 15. It's, it's like I said, it's a living hell. So, so Joe <laughs> – Take us inside the 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 Blackhawks on this occasion coming up tomorrow. I does does Chicago or do the Blackhawks actually care about Flurry's homecoming? Because the Rangers seemed like they were well. I don't know if the rest of the team was into it, but because they had the coach was back and a player was back, the Rangers just came in and laid an egg. They were flat. Yeah, I, I don't know if Blackhawks fans specifically are, are looking forward to it, but uh, it definitely becomes a bigger part of the story just because of how much the Blackhawks are struggling right now. Um, and, you know, when the Blackhawks went to Pittsburgh and took on the Penguins, and I know Marc-Andre Fleury has played there since being a Penguin, but it was kind of a homecoming for him there, too. And the Blackhawks laid an egg. They kind of left him out to dry. Pittsburgh scored four goals in the first period. They had to pull him. 
Now, luckily, when Pittsburgh came to the United Center in Chicago, uh, the Blackhawks were able to get some redemption. But uh, it, it's been a, a pretty big struggle since the new year. And uh, they were thinking things could turn around after a decent effort against Colorado. But then going in Arizona and losing to the Coyotes 6-4 to four was, was pretty frustrating. So now they got to take on a, a really talented Vegas Golden Knights team. So I think that's probably going to be the biggest story heading into it is Marc-Andre Fleury's return. Well, let's get into... Before we get into Mark Fleury as a person, how he's been in Chicago, just, just as a player, I mean, the numbers were nasty early in the season. Uh, had had righted the ship a little bit, but now has struggled a little bit again. How much is that? Of, is that him? And how much is the defense just is non-existent at times? Yeah, well, the beginning of the season was very frustrating on on multiple accounts. Uh, the offense was having trouble. The defense was having trouble. The goaltending was having trouble. And then they fired the head coach, and it was kind of a, a little bit of a fire lit underneath them. Derek King took over for Jeremy Colleton, kind of simplified things, and I think also was just a, a spark plug that the team needed. The defense really buckled down, and, and both goaltenders, Flurry and Kevin Lankin, and had mentioned how it seemed like a, just a totally dif- different defensive scheme. They weren't uh, constantly on edge of all the, the high-quality shots that they had to face, so... There was an improvement. Now that's kind of evened out once again, and you know they've they've had a real tough start since the new year. I don't think any of that is the goaltending. The special teams has been really rough. Uh, they're having a real hard time on the penalty kill. They keep committing penalties. They had four penalties in the second period against Arizona last night. So you know they got to stay out of the box, and it, it's really tough for this team right now to gain momentum, especially when they're trailing. And right now last four games they're being outscored by their opponents eight to one in the first period so they just keep getting off on the wrong foot of these games recently and it's it's always been tough for them this year to work their way out of a deficit like that so it's it's kind of been Mark andre Fleury um well he's only played the past couple of games because he was actually in COVID protocol after the holiday but uh he's pretty much been the best bright spot of this whole season is who he is as a person like you were saying and uh, just who he's been in between the pipes as well. I mean, nobody's ever out of it in the NHL, and certainly the you know the Blackhawks are down in the standings, but everybody can make a run and get in it. But if this continues in terms of the overall play and where they are in the standings, like how long is Marc Andre Fleury playing? You mean playing for the Blackhawks, or yeah, yeah, I guess. The possibility of a trade? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I was playing for them, and I guess if he's not playing, might as well trade him. But yeah, how long is he, how long do they keep riding with Flurry? It doesn't help you to have a veteran goaltender if the rest of the team's not doing anything. Right, right. Well, I mean, obviously the the trade rumors have already been swirling. Uh, I mean, even when they acquired him, because let's face it, heading into this year, it was kind of a surprise that the Blackhawks got Mark Andre Flurry. Uh, they also, you know, kind of shocked the hockey world by going after Seth Jones as aggressively as they did and then just going for it as much as they did because not too long ago this organization was in a rebuild and then all of a sudden they had the opportunity to move Duncan Keith's contract that opened up some money then they moved Brent Seabook's contract so at that time the general manager Stan Bowman figured all right let's make these other moves to make this team competitive this year and then out of the gate they go one nine and one then they fire the coach then they start playing better, and now everything's kind of gone back to the way it was. So I really don't know. I, I, of course, uh, you'd imagine that the Blackhawks might want to you know, dangle Marc-Andre Fleury out there a little bit. Uh, he's got just this year the contract left. I believe 10 teams on his no-trade clause, so uh, the Blackhawks would have the avail- availability to move him to any of those 10 teams. If there was another team that was interest- interested, they have to go through him as well. But uh, I think more... 
they'll probably check with him no matter who they talk to because, you know, when they made the move to get him, there wasn't even a decisive thought that he was going to come here. There was some speculation that he might call it quits because yeah. I, don't, I don't think he was really thrilled that Vegas was moving him. And uh, at the time, general manager Stan Bowman apparently was patient with him. Mark andre Fleury respected that. He checked out the school system and then decided, yeah, I do want to bring my family to Chicago. But the whole thing, guys, is now it's not Stan Bowman in charge anymore. It's Kyle Davidson. He's technically his title is interim general manager. So the Blackhawks need to figure out who's going to be running their hockey organization uh, for the next future. I mean, who knows if they're going to make that decision this year, if it's going to be an offseason thing. The head coach has the interim title as well. So a whole lot of things have to be decided. And uh, I don't know what would come first, whether it would be Marc-Andre Fleury or who's going to be running the organization. The voice of Joe Brand. You can hear him on WGN on the radio broadcast for the Blackhawks pre and post. Uh, Flurry as a person. I want to get into that because first you just mentioned, hey, they'll probably check with him. You know, if uh, if if they were going to move him, uh, history here will tell us they'll probably check with him, and then he'll tell everyone that they didn't check with him. Uh, but Mark Andre Flurry's reputation for most people in Las Vegas is sterling and spectacular. Uh, how how much of an impression has he made in Chicago? <laughs> Uh, the other day at practice, there were a, a group of kids. It's pretty cool. The Blackhawks allow fans to come to practice for free uh, at their practice arena a few blocks away from the United Center. And I walked in there, and there were about 20 kids chanting, Fleury, 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 when the goalies came out. Now, no one had the heart to tell him Mark andre Fleury was in COVID protocol, <laughs> so he wasn't on the ice at that point. But uh, that just kind of shows you what kind of impact he's made it's you know, it's just cool that his whole hockey history is going to have, or the Blackhawks are going to have a small part of his whole hockey history with his 500th win in that game against Montreal. Uh, you know, you always heard about how great of a guy he was, how great of a goalie he was, but then since coming here, dealing with him in the media, I mean, he's always smiling. He's always just so sincere. It's so fun to see how competitive he is just in practice. He and Patrick Kane have been going head-to-head a few times. Uh, I think they, they chirp at each other quite a bit, but then they, they get a little theatrical, too. At the beginning of the year, uh, Fleury coughed up a goal to Kane, and then he slammed the puck into the boards. And then just the other week, they were doing uh, some penalty shots, and Kane scored on Fleury. Fleury threw his stick at Patrick Kane. Kane picked up Fleury's stick and handed it to him, but right before he handed it to him, he just dropped it on the ice. So it's fun. It's fun. You get to see the little back and forth, the little chemistry that they're uh, all getting with them, and all, all the teammates are, are saying the same thing too. Just just how how cool of an experience it is to be his teammate, even if it is just going to be for this year or even less. It, the obviously the uh, the next game didn't go so well, uh, but did did that Kale McCarr goal just break the Blackhawks? <laughs> uh, man, what a goal! Uh, I don't know. It, it when when it's that talented. Uh, it, it's tough to say that it, that's what broke the Hawks because the game against Nashville, first one on New Year's Day, they caught up three goals in the first period. Now, granted, they had their third and fourth string goaltender available for them, and that was it in that game. The next game against Calgary, they put up a little bit of a better effort, but not a full 60 minutes. And Colorado, I mean, it was a weak start in the 20 minutes. They turned things up in the second, able to take a lead in the third, but then, of course, cough up that lead. It's just kind of the, the Hawks season in a nutshell right now. They, they show signs of 
being able to compete with high-quality teams, but consistency has been the biggest factor. They can't put together a 60-minute game right now, and I think any player would be willing to admit that as well. I mean, it was definitely – it definitely let the air out of the balloon. It was, it was a deflating way to end it, especially because Jonathan Taves had hit the post right before that happened in overtime. We wouldn't even be talking about that McCarr move. But uh, the whole Arizona thing, is it, it's tough to really not wrap your head around, but just really see them continue with these same types of struggles of getting off to a rough start and finding themselves in a penalty box against a team like Arizona, who they should have beaten. I think I heard uh, Arizona had never had uh, a multi-goal lead until last night, <laughs> and then uh, it was only the second time they were entering the third period with a lead. So that, w- that was a rough loss, and uh, it seemed like there was a pretty long meeting with the team that didn't even include the head coach. It was just a players' team meeting after the game. So uh, it seems like they took it pretty seriously. And, and that's the weird thing about this team, guys. They might come out with a valiant effort tomorrow against Vegas. And, you know, you kind of expect that with guys like Jonathan Tays, Alex DeBrinkett, Patrick Kane, Kirby Doc, Dominic Kubelik, Dylan Strom. But for some reason, they just aren't able to put it together all the time for every game. And that's kind of what's been the biggest struggle. Joe Brand. WGN Chicago up with Cofield and company. Last one, I got to close with a Bears question. So, Uh-oh. Black Monday right around the corner. Uh, do the Chicago fans get their wish and get a regime change? And part two of the question is: uh, Will the Bears and the Raiders be battling it out for Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> uh, it's funny because we did the Harbaugh dance a couple of years ago when he was possibly available back then too. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it might happen. Uh, Matt Nagy had just said earlier today that. Uh, he won't be calling the offense, or he won't be calling the plays. And he and uh, offensive coordinator Bill Lazor are going to be having some fun. So I, I don't know who says that. If you don't think that it's your last day on the job, um, I, I don't know, guys. I, I, I kind of would like to see a, a Harbaugh reunion. I, I think um, you know Bears fans like that. But the other thing is this: this city is so in love with bringing back uh, icons and personalities from the past because it reminds them of the good times and it doesn't (laughs) often work out too well. So as much as I think I would like to see Harbaugh, I don't know how it would be good for the bears future. Joe, get yourself some dinner, survive the cold and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for the uh, spot today on short notice. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. There he is. One of the voices of the Blackhawks on radio, Joe Brent. What do you think, Adam? Are they going to be in the mix? battling the Raiders potentially for Harbaugh or should the Bears be going for, you know, some young offensive minded guru on his way up to pair with Justin Fields? I mean, I think they're going to be in the mix. I I think, well, first of all, I think Harbaugh is going to play the game. I think he's going to uh, start talking to everybody and maybe the end goal is getting 15 million a year from Michigan. But I, I think that they're, uh, they're going to be interested. They're going to talk to him. He's like, listen, you can't really dispute the success he had in the NFL. Um, he's been successful everywhere. Even if you want to say Michigan, you know, wasn't, you know, making playoffs. They've been good every year uh, until the pandemic year, of course. Uh, and now this year they were, you know, a very good team made the playoff and, you know, he's had success a lot of different places. And the best part is all the people that want to say Colin Kaepernick was never good. Well, Harbaugh took him to the Super Bowl. So if if Cap wasn't good, Harbaugh must be great. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. 
One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. C'è la luna e mezzo mare, mamma mia, me mare da te. Might have a late entry into the Fat Pack. Might have to get to the uh, H-Town hot dog with Fruit Loops on it here in a second. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm debating tonight what I'm going to have after the show in terms of food. After talking to the Chicago guy, I might want pizza, but not Chicago style. <laughs> so get that clear. Um, I might get New York style, but I can tell you this. I'm not getting it from one of the places that right now is advertising it nationally. Cut it out. That ain't going to work. I don't know if you've seen the commercial, but they're going on and on about stretching out the the dough, and they're like, "Look at that crust!" And I look at it, and I'm like, "Yeah, that ain't New York style." I don't know what that's that doesn't look good. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a burrito, but now I'm a little thrown off because I thought I knew a lot about burritos, but apparently I don't. Is there a is there breaking news that uh, apparently the North the North Koreans invented the burrito? Yeah, uh, Steve. What's going on here? When did you have your first burrito? in life uh you know it's probably later than you'd, you'd ever believe so i don't i maybe uh, whew, man, maybe uh i don't know like 90 maybe 93 when i was like 23 years old liar wait what you're a liar there was a there was one mexican joint in uh mama mexican County, New Jersey. yeah casa comida <laughs> well that's hey, not a burrito that, my friend what do you mean the burrito was invented in the year 2011 Wait, what? In North Korea. Are California listeners right now, are they like, what? Kim Jong-il, the father of current leader Kim Jong-un, invented the burrito. Oh, ill. It wasn't un. It was ill? It was ill. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, invented the burrito, which he called a wheat wrap, in 2011. Okay, that is according. You can, call it, you can call it anything you want. It's if it's the same concept. It's it was around. Well, so nobody, nobody, nobody had ever thought of it before. He came up with it uh, in 2011. That is according to North Korean state television, uh, and they also have. There's also footage of people eating these delicious treats uh, around town. I think we can look this up, and I, I can't remember where the place was. But uh, you ever watch the? There's so many cooking shows on food shows, food travel shows. You ever watch that lady Padma? Sure. Doesn't doesn't uh is it wait. I'm trying to remember. Yes, I've seen it. I'm just trying to remember why I know her from something different. Well, she does like a she's, Jr. commercial? Well, cuz she's in everything and she's okay. a, a model as well. She uh I could swear she did an episode on the burrito. I think it was the burrito. And basically did she go to it was uncovered that One more time. Did she go to Pyongyang? <laughs> no, she did not. No, no, she didn't go to Pyongyang. No, Ari, burritos at the border. Taste the nation with Padma Lakshmi, episode one. There you go. Yes, and what what she uncovered, it was especially the breakfast burrito, is that the modern day breakfast burrito is a just a bastardized Americanized version, which means because we're fat asses, it's like four times the size of what the original burrito was, which was supposed to be like a nice little snack. Not, not not a not a gut bomb, um, but in in no part of that episode, as you mentioned, were un or ill mentioned. Fake news. Uh, there's there's actually a. There, I mean, this cracks me up more than anything. There's actually a mural 
of Kim Jong-il just sitting grinning while people are preparing burritos. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I add the uh, the wrap, as he called it, the wheat wrap, was invented sure. in 1982. No, 2011. You're wrong. Alternate facts, Ari. You know, I always get the research wrong. It's, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's it is kind of. I mean, there's a sad part of this too that like the basic ingredients that you would throw in a burrito, like nobody in North Korea can actually afford. So it it sucks for the people to have such a delicious treat invented in their homeland, and yet not be able to enjoy them on a regular basis. Why, why don't the Kim Jongs take credit for the new mac and cheese dog at the Rockets games? They probably will in like 2052. Right, we came up with it in 2043. Meanwhile, on local radio and social media, people are going a little crazy over the photo. Mm. Available at the uh, T-Center in H-Town, Fruit Loops, Mac and Cheese, Jumbo Hot Dog, Bacon. I mean, all of those things are delicious on their own. Right? Well, I told the story many times. I haven't really had Fruit Loops outside of what. I wasn't allowed to have them as a kid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I told you. My mother banned me on hardcore sugars. I did not have any sugary cereals, and um, I grew to love uh, basically the like like shredded wheat, oh. which is just dry straw in your throat oh, unless God. you unless you got it real wet. That sounds but, horrific. Otherwise, it was an issue. So no Fruit Loops, but um. I don't know. I trust myself not to go cornhole ale, so maybe I'll try uh, Fruit Loops on a hot dog sometime. Oh, that just uh, brought up another another topic, by the way. I don't know what. You, so, you see Beavis and Butthead are coming back? In what form? Beavis and Butthead as adults on Paramount+. Plus. Cartoon or, like, real people? I believe it's a car- cartoon. Oh, wow. Are you in? Yeah, I'll try it. I mean, I feel like they're going to run out of ideas like they kind of did anyway. But it was still silly and funny. Yeah, I've been, I'll tell you this week, I've been real, like I said, real adventurous with the, the TV watching. I finished Cobra Kai, and which, by the way, another brilliant season. Um, Fantastic. Terry Silver coming back, who I, I really didn't know Terry Silver. And then I followed up Cobra Kai this season. And you're right, I won't do any spoilers. But I followed it up by watching Karate Kid 3. Oh don't. Could I, could I highly recommend people not do that? Uh, well, I just wanted to. I wanted to see who the character was, and I had you know I'd never seen Karate Kid two, so really. Uh, so a lot of the a lot of the Japanese uh, stars returning uh, in what season three of Cobra Kai. I kind of had to catch up on who they were, so I was very happy about that with uh, Yuki and uh, who was the other one? Uh, now I'm blanking on uh, uh, Laposo's love interest in two. <laughs> Well, I love the nickname. Come on. It's so bad. It's great. What are you talking about? That is that is classic, like, 11-year-old bullying. I mean, it, it really is. But it, God, yeah. I almost felt, I mean, as much as I love the show, I almost felt like it's getting a little too high school-ish. I mean, it always uh, Ari, 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 just, Ari just messaged, uh, next inside scoop on uh, season four is going to be dumped. No, there's, we're not we giving, really given anything away. No, we haven't said anything. That's uh, that's, that's what vital. you think I'm dumping. Oh, okay. Ah. The nickname? Yes. His name is Larusso. They call him Lapusso. <laughs> they just put a P in it. 
It's not. It's not a big deal. I'm just following <laughs> what Steve Cofield taught me about the. Uh, no, radio I, didn't, I didn't teach you on that one. Um, <laughs> one and yeah, done. So anyway, we don't want to do too many spoilers because the uh, the the latest Cobra Kai just came out, and it's only what are we seven days into the new year? So we're not all Adam Hill who binges a you know eight, nine, ten episode on flights season in like a day. Yeah, on flights. Yeah. Wonderful. But for historical references, I highly recommend going back and watching Karate Kid two and three, and uh, and seeing how bad three was. Although I don't, what's was it? Her character name was Jessica Andrews. Uh, The kind of friend, sort of love interest in three. I would love to see her come back. So in Cobra Kai five, like everyone's coming back, so they might as might as well. Let's go. What was he? Who's the uh, who's the main uh, aggressor in three? Well, his, I, now I'm blanking on his first name. His last name was Barnes. Isn't it like Mikey? Mikey Barnes. Yeah, bring Something him like back that. too. God, I love that show. It's so good. I just, I so it's so so awesome. All right, coming up next, we got to get in. Adam's been dying to talk about this tie thing that apparently he wants the Raiders and Chargers to, if they see the uh, the Jaguars take out the Colts, the Raiders and Chargers need to basically do what a lot of fantasy football leagues do and agree to split the prize in the final and, uh, you know, both go to the playoffs with a tie. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Yep, I did it. Opened up the can of worms. I don't know why. I was just thinking, season five of Cobra Kai, uh, Kenny, would you bet a future on him in the All Valley? Uh, I mean, no. I think do he's... You not, do you not see him sprouting to, like, 6'3"? Um, uh, I'll just say uh, Puffy Miguel won't be able to compete anymore in the All Valley. So the, the And I think... I'm pretty sure Hawk is out too. Miguel Miguel has a lot of injury concerns. That you're out, you're done. I mean, what, what are we going to let? We gonna let 24 year olds in this thing? Well, for high school, right? It's 18 and under. Well, I mean, Pey- Peyton List is 24. Also, I mean, she's she's well, she's, she's playing. She's 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 playing a teenager. I think they're all 16 or 17 in the show. I'm talking about the age they're portraying in the show. Sure, but I, even Miguel, I think, is only 17. Are you sure? I think he's a senior. No, but he, but no, they went to junior prom. Uh, but also, come oh, on, that's a good point. <laughs> come on. Are they doing? Are they doing holdbacks in the valley for the All Valley? <laughs> they might. They might be. Now, but the, I mean, the injury Shabazz concerns. Muhammad of All Valley. What's going on here? Lingering injury concerns are the much bigger factor. I mean, you can't count on somebody. Not, to, uh, don't spoil. <laughs> That's from, that's from season three. I will say, coming out of the gates, as soon as I saw Miguel and his conditioning, I was like, "This ain't gonna work." No, plus he's you know he's being pulled in so many different directions by different coaches. It's, it's tough. Well, well, you you got what I'm saying, right? He was definitely beefier for the season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. By the way, well, we know uh, beef. Could I, I mean, not to ruin everybody. I'm not spoiling it. I'm talking about something not on the show. Uh, yeah. Those kids without the script. If you just see them like do interviews and things together, oh boy! Is there one who's really sharp? I mean, I feel like Peyton List has been in the spotlight for a lot longer than everyone else, so she's, you know, she's probably ahead of them. 
I'm assuming uh, Sam is a disaster. Yeah, she's a mess. Because she ain't that good with the script. No, she's pretty bad. Uh, we're, we're speaking a different language to most of the people listening right now who aren't watching Cobra Kai. Um, all right, so... Everybody should be watching Cobra Kai. Let's just get that straight. Succinctly, the... Well, first of all, I got to say, the headlines that have come out of Basaccia and the whole tie thing, we're not playing for a tie, have been just absurd. <laughs> like the fact that the people have run with this, and it was on the bottom line on ESPN, the... Raiders playing for win, not tie. I mean, it's not exactly what's happening here. Um, To describe the scenario, to lay out the scenario, if the Colts lost to the Jags, the Raiders and Chargers could both make the playoffs if they tied. The Steelers have to win, too. Okay, Steelers have to win, too. Right. You keep talking about this, I think, as like they would have a gentleman's agreement before the game to just tie. Not that they would. No, I am in no way, shape, or form saying that they would do that. Yeah. I'm saying they should do that. What I think is fascinating is a, a Nebraska, Miami, Tom Osborne, Orange Bowl national title. You you know you remember that right? Nebraska could win the national title by just simply tying, and he was like, "Nope, we're going to go for the win," and they didn't get the win. Yeah. Kind of what, kind of what Harbaugh did, you know? Yeah. Where he could have gone to overtime, but in, in, in any case. That, to me, is the fascinating scenario, is if, like, if Basaccio really, really followed his words and he had a, a chance to tie, whatever. It, it, he could tie things up and instead went for the win. Is that even a – am I even describing a scenario that's possible with the overtime rule? Yeah, I mean, you, if – yes, yeah, so you could you could be tying late in the game. But so no, at the no, end so, of the game. No, no, I'll, so I'll, at, lay, I'll lay this scenario out. So – Everybody assumes like there's no way that they're gonna try to play for a tie. That's not gonna happen, right. even though I think it should. It's not gonna. They're not just gonna kneel the ball and punt it, even though it'd be the most fascinating game in history to me. I would love it. Um, they're not gonna do that. But I think what you're getting at is both teams have a possession. They tie the game just because they're both trying to win, but they tie. They right. go to overtime. They both fail in their first possession. So now it's next score wins. If you are okay, I'll just lay this out. If you're the Raiders and you have a Fourth and three at your own 34-yard line with a minute left in overtime. Right. I, I'm, are people are saying they should go for the win? Like, no. You should punt, play for a tie in that scenario, of course. I Like, it would be, it would be just absolute <laughs> lunacy to go. Like, even though I'm always go for it, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would go for, you would have to punt that. Why would you go for it and give give the Chargers a chance to win it? You should play for a tie in that scenario. I'm just saying carry that out the whole time and say you should play for a tie from the beginning because, again, I understand competitiveness and all those other things, and the league would be furious. Like This is actually why I tweeted last week before the game that there's no way they would put this game in prime time because there's a chance that, well, first of all, there's a chance that they'd already be in. There's a chance they'd already, you know, you know, um, would be playing for a tie, which I, they're not going to, but... Like, how could you put that game on prime time and take that chance? NBC took the chance. They're, NBC basically bet on the Colts' money line. That's what they did by putting this game on primetime television. Interesting. They made a bet on the Colts on, on the money line. They're, they're a betting organization now, apparently. Uh, because I, I know that watching it last week, they had said if there's any chance that the game wouldn't matter to both teams, they would not have a Sunday night game. And they decided to have one. They're making a bet that the Colts are going to win on the money line. But if they don't, right. I and and again, my thing is like it's not going to happen. This is not it's not worth talking about from a perspective of are they going to do it? What is worth worth talking about to me 
is if you are a coach, how do you walk into the owner's office the next day and explain that you lost when you could have made an agreement to tie and gone to the playoffs? How do you have that conversation? Because I'd be furious if I'm yeah. uh, let's if I well, I mean it's it's different with the Raiders as interim coach and different a little bit with the Chargers because it's you know Staley and he has you know uh, I think people are excited about him down there, but if I'm like oh wait you know if so if you would have tied I would have got that postseason check next week and because you didn't I'm not getting it. You want to explain that to me, Coach? So fired up for next hour. We got Mark Andre Fleury back in town. Another homecoming for a legendary, statue-worthy Vegas Golden Knight and the biggest Las Vegas Raiders game in history on the ground here in Sin City. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.